WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. The Steelers moved their quarterbacks coach, Randy Fickner, from the booth to the sideline at the halfway point of the season. CBS Sports says Ben Roethlisberger requested that so Fickner could be a buffer between him and the offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. And now Haley's going to have to go to the booth with his broken head. Ben reiterates time and again that his relationship with Haley is fine, but it's not. Ben's lying. Ben doesn't like Todd Haley. So with Haley and his wife having embarrassed the Steelers with their New Year's Eve shenanigans at Tequila Cowboy, and given that Ben doesn't like Haley, and given that Ben seems to be legitimately considering retirement, and given that the Steelers have yet to reach the Super Bowl with Haley as offensive coordinator, and given that Bruce Arians says he's retired, but he's said that before, and given that Bruce Arians and Roethlisberger are close and work very well together, boy, depending on how the Steelers finish up, the coming off season could be very interesting. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. I'm rooting for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl this year. Ben retires. And then, throw me the ball, Landry Jones. Landry Jones. I think he'd do fine. I think he did fine against Cleveland. You might say it was against Cleveland. And I would respond, a lot of his primary weapons were not there with him. That's what I want. Steelers win, Ben retires, Landry Jones takes over as number one quarterback. And you know what? I don't think he would be the reason they stink. He might be the reason they're 7-9. Well, yeah, I guess that's stink, all right. Uh, getting back to the distractions, let's go over the entire list of distractions. It has been just a bumper year when it comes to distractions for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So many distractions, they didn't even distract. Bell hold out. Filling away the anthem thing. Brown throws the cooler. Ben says, maybe I don't have it anymore. Martavis Bryant wants out. Martavis Bryant disparages Juju on social media. Juju's bike gets stolen. Haley yells at Ben. And then says later he was yelling at the special teams coach. Juju knocks Burfecht out with a block and gets suspended. Antonio Bryan yells karma about that situation. Mike Mitchell does that rant about physical play in Goodell. And then, of course, the two most recent incidents. James Harrison gets released, then signs with the Patriots. You got the resulting locker room fallout from that where Harrison's ex-teammates turned on him in very entertaining fashion. 10 out of 10 to them for that. And now you got Todd Haley in the battle at Tequila Cowboy, in which he reportedly has broken a hip as a result of an incident that was triggered by his wife acting like what she is, by all accounts, 
quite the handful with a capital. No, I better not. 412-333-9939. As I've been saying, the chaos has been constant, so the Steelers have survived it and thrived in it even. You know who's not got enough credit for the way the Steelers got it together uh, in the middle of the season to go on that eight-game win streak and finish the season at 13-3 with the number two seed in the AFC? It's Ben Roethlisberger, who honestly, as much credit as he's gotten here in Pittsburgh, he's never gotten as much credit as he truly deserves, as witnessed by, during his career, Ben only once being voted team MVP uh, by the Steelers players. Now, Ben had that horrible game against Jacksonville where he threw five interceptions. That was back uh, October 8th. And after that, Ben said, maybe I don't have it anymore. Although, if you really know, if you were really listening, and if you're looking at Ben's facial expression, that statement was absolutely dipping with sarcasm. Although most of the media chose not to notice that because it made for a better story. Let's look at what Ben has done since that game against the Jaguars. As a starter, went 9-1. His quarterback rating dipped below 90 just twice in that span and never below 87.7. Since that game, Roethlisberger has thrown 22 touchdowns against just 7 interceptions. People talking about A.B. being the NFL's most valuable player, and I give him credit for a great season. You know who the Steelers' MVP is? And I don't care what his teammates voted. I don't care what the writers vote league-wide. Ben Roethlisberger is the Steelers' most valuable player. He proved that game in and game out since that debacle, the five picks against Jacksonville. Let's go to Matt in the car. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. You there, Matt? I guess not. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hello, Mike. Okay, excellent radio. Not having callers ever pick up when they're there. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. You know, you talk about who deserves credit for the Steelers this season. And we talked about Ben. Bell and Brown were great. Juju really played at a level unexpected for a rookie receiver. But I really got to give credit to the offensive line. All those guys were real good. Villanueva is their weak link, and he's pretty good. But I want to go past the Stars and go to Finney and to Hubbard. Hubbard played a lot. Between all the injuries and Gilbert's suspension, Hubbard played a lot, and Chris Hubbard did a bang-up job. B.J. Finney, too, got hurt uh, playing center against Cleveland uh, in the season finale. Great at center, great at guard. Hubbard can play anywhere except center, where he was just snapping the ball haphazardly. But, you know, what are you going to do? The guy doesn't play center, doesn't shotgun snap very often. But uh, I, I think those two deserve more credit than they're getting, Finney and Hubbard. As backup linemen, I think they're the quality of starters and showed that every chance they got. 
Let's go to uh, John in Monroeville. John, you're on with Mark. Uh, hey, Mark. I was um, had a question I called last week. And- I have a question. I looked down for one second, and the Arsenal-Chelsea game went from 0-0 to 1-1. Go ahead. Dang, I don't know how that happened. But anyways, I called last week and asked if you, who you thought if you thought Ben was a Steelers MVP, and he said no. Well, I've changed my mind because I've looked oh. at the stats. I've looked at the game log. I- I'm allowed to change my mind, you know. Oh, of course you are. How is Antonio Brown not the Steelers MVP? Well, the way I see it is it's real close, but when the play starts, Ben has the ball. Ben has to get it to him. But Antonio Brown does the work to make the catch because you see how he, when Ben throws to every other receiver, they're either ben, I, I give I give A.B. credit. Wow. Ben has a lot of trust in him, and he'll put the ball up and let him go get it. But But I think if they don't have Antonio Brown, they could survive and – Maybe not got the number two seed, but made the playoffs. If Ben Roethlisberger's not available, they're a less than 500 team. Very true. Fair enough. And Ben really picked it up. Really picked it up after that Jacksonville game. In some ways, the best thing that could have happened to Ben was that five-interception game. Because it really got him motivated, and he just was unstoppable after that. Let's go to... uh, John in Washington. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Okay, that's three out of four calls where nobody picked up when we tried. Let's go to Bob and Carnegie. Bob, you're on with Double M. Hello, Bob. Hello. Yeah, what do you want, Bob? Tristan Jory played well last night. Do you think we got to get rid of Murray and make Charles? No, no, I don't. I think that's really stupid. Anything else, Bob? No? Let's go to David and Ligonier. David. And plus, which Jari didn't finish the game, and Murray played good after he came in. David and Ligonier, you're on with Mark. Hey, thanks, Mark. I don't know why these people want to get rid of Murray. But it's beyond me. But because I, because I they want... all have unrequited love for Flurry. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing true. wrong with that. We see it every day. It's out there. Yep. But I just wanted to ask you if you think the loss of Jason Bartle has anything to do with these uh, with these uh, pickups not being as good no. as they no, no, no. Bro, how can you blame Rutherford after the job he's done? Because that's what you're trying to do. No, I'm just saying, I think I think Bartle... Uh, the assistant general manager. The assistant general manager. I keep hearing how losing talk at the assistant coach and Bartle, the assistant GM, now you say, has hurt the team. Uh, bro, that's stupid. Okay? If, if Bartle's loss would affect the team, it would be a lot more gradual than the very next season. Okay? The reason the new guys have struggled is because it's always tough to replace components in a Stanley Cup winner who priced themselves out. What, what, did you think that Jim was going to go out and find somebody equal to Benino or Cullen or Daly or Flurry or Hainsey or all the guys that helped win the Stanley Cup? Hell no. You know how I knew he wouldn't? Because they won the Stanley Cup with those guys. It's not easy. It's not fantasy league. It's not just chop and change. It's a hard job. And Jim's come through and will yet again. Four one two three 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 nine. Is this another penalty? What the hell's going on here? Or is that the first penalty? You know what? This show's really getting in the way of me watching games. And wait till Friday when Liverpool play Everton. 105.90 X. Now the super genius Mark Madden. Is this Bob Hope? Hi, uh, this is. How you doing? Oh boy, hey, uh, you know what? Why 
this. Call back when you're coherent. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. We got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour. Just um, just about 10 minutes away, I suppose, to talk hockey. couple Steeler notes. Uh, Jerry Dulack of the Post-Gazette just tweeted that Antonio Brown was out catching passes from the jugs machine uh, yesterday. Another indication is progress is going well. Uh, Alu Alu was talking to the media, and he said that the Steelers want to play Jacksonville. He said, I could give you the politically correct answer, but we want to play Jacksonville. And, and I get it because it's revenge for the Jags having killed the Steelers back in early October. And the Steelers can only play Tennessee, Jacksonville, or Kansas City. Buffalo's the low seed. If they win in the wild card round, they automatically play New England. And then the Steelers would play whoever's left. Uh, I think they'll beat Jacksonville. I think they would torture Kansas City. And obviously they would light up Tennessee, I think. And I understand wanting to play the team that beat you. And in some ways that might seem foolish because... Jacksonville's a real good team in the number three seed, but I just can't see them beating Pittsburgh twice in one year. I can't see Blake Bortles beating Ben Roethlisberger twice in one year. 412-333-9939, the number to call. Let's go to uh, Brett and Latrobe. Brett, you're on with Mark. Hey, Double M, big fan. What up? I was giving you a quick call. Um, I was bored over the weekend looking at Big Ben's stats this season. And, you know, I don't know how much you talked about it. I was really surprised on how much, I mean, he turned around his season after that rocky start. Um, well, he turned you know, it around very specifically and clearly after the uh, loss to Jacksonville where he threw through five interceptions. As I said, his quarterback rating's only gone below 90 once since then. He's won nine of his ten starts. And he's thrown 22 touchdowns against seven interceptions. That's right. And the fact he's up over 4,000 yards again this year, um, you know, it wasn't the past two seasons. I was really surprised about that. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. Um, I think he's the most valuable player on the team. Everybody will argue that with me. But but I, I don't think he's gotten the respect he deserves, especially within the context of that clubhouse. But there's a few reasons for that, many of which – should be fairly obvious. Let's go to Derek. Derek in Finleyville. Uh, you're on with the super genius. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Derek. Um, so I actually just got to touch exactly what you just talked about um, and was wondering where, why doesn't he get the respect that he deserves? Would you agree that he doesn't? Room? Oh, I completely agree. He, it, without, this, without Ben Roethlisberger, they're 6-10 this year. Well, um, in but, the locker room, because, you know, he's only been voted team MVP once. Right. It's because he's white. <laughs> well, that's No, you can laugh. Well, me. come on. They've only had – he's only won MVP once in his tenure as Steelers quarterback, a Hall of Fame tenure, and uh, Heath Miller won MVP once. Only two white guys have won MVP as voted on by the Steelers uh, since the turn of the millennium. That's I'm not, I'm not, I'm not outraged by that, but, but Derek, wouldn't you agree that's a fairly reasonable conclusion to draw? Yeah, I could absolutely agree with you on that, Mark. But can we go into the NFL as well? Why is Brady immediately dubbed the MVP when I believe that Ben had just as good a season, if not better season, than Brady? 
because Brady's seen as the greatest quarterback of all time with five Super Bowls. If if people say, well, it's because Ben has Brown, well, he has Gronk. Well, Brady's had less to work with than a guy you'd consider to be the all-time best quarterback. I am not going to denigrate Brady to try to up Ben because mostly the disrespect, not disrespect, but maybe lack of, I don't think Ben's been highly regarded enough in this city and in his own locker room. I completely agree with you, Mark. Thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Billy in Monroeville. Billy, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. It's Billy. Um, to one up the last caller, I think the Steelers could have went 6-10 and 10 with Josh Dobbs, at quarterback. But to agree with you, Ben should have won the team MVP probably five or six times in the past. And, I, and I don't care that he didn't. It doesn't outrage me. Right. But it does speak to, to him not getting the recognition in this town, in that locker room, I think he deserves. But that said, uh, he couldn't care less. I can promise you that Ben could not care less. I do not think that Le'Veon Bell gets the recognition he deserves in this town. Uh, Yeah, but holding out didn't help in that regard. Well, obviously, and, and I think that's the main reason for it. But, you know... And, and running backs in this town have always been seen as disposable. Let's face it, offensive players in this town have always been seen as disposable. We love defense in Pittsburgh. Mean Joe Green, the Steel Curtain. And granted, I mean, we have probably the best offensive line in football. Definitely the best offensive Top line. Top three anyway. And I, I just think that the guy never gets nearly enough credit for being as dominant as he is in his position. Yeah, maybe. There's only so much of that credit to go around that I think Ben's been shortchanged more than Lev Bell. Up next, Hockey Talk with Mike Rupp. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Penguins with a decent win last night at Philadelphia. Certainly it needed a couple of points coming in on their ledger. Joining me now to talk about it, the former Penguin now at the NHL Network, it's Mike Rupp. Rupper, uh, Latang and Schultz returned to the lineup for Pittsburgh last night, and I thought it showed, especially with better puck movement out of the back. How did you see it? Yeah, I saw the same. I thought that the team overall, I wouldn't say it was directly due to those two guys, but had a little better uh, success with zone time in the offensive zone, and you, you got to see some goals from it, and uh, that's been the big thing has been the five-on-five um, production and and you got some last night. So um, you know if it's if it's coincidence, that's fine. Uh, having those two guys back, I, I certainly do think is a boost of just just delivering the puck and advancing zones quickly. And uh, that's something that every team needs to have. How much does it mean for the bottom six to get two goals in that win? It's big. I think it's big. I mean, when you're sitting here looking at this team, and we uh, we kind of all are are sitting on the idea of there's going to be something uh, done uh, at some point this year. So um, I, I think being a guy in that position in my career where you you figured a team would add some depth or go out and do something, you still want to throw your, uh, you know, kind of stake your flag in the in the ground and say, hey, um, we can do it too. I know it's one game, but uh, if they can start getting any kind of consistent um, production from the, from the bottom six, um, it'll it'll make a big difference, and uh, you know I thought they're good, and that's the biggest thing is just just zone time. And I mentioned it already in, in the first part, but 
just when you're on the, in that role, and that was my role for most of my career, was you, you got to um, – you don't want to word it as give the other guys a break because that makes it look very um, not, not important, but you got to make sure you're playing in the offensive zone. And then it gets uh, gets the other team worn down. You make a good change. Now you got the big guys coming out into the right situation. So um, even when you're not scoring, you just need to hold on to pucks in the offensive zone. I thought the bottom six did a great job of it yesterday. Some critics think Ryan Reeves is a bust. Maybe that's because the Penguins gave up a number one pick in the deal to get him, but I think he's doing his job. Yeah, no, I I think uh, I think he is as well, and I, I think that um, you know depending on what shakes out with this roster come post uh, um, trade deadline and, and coming down the stretch, I, I actually think that he's a guy who will be valuable down that stretch. Um, I always talk to you about it and, and how the, the the ice surface. I know the game's changed over the last number of years. And you can argue some things and as far as Ryan Reeves or players like Ryan Reeves, but the, the rink certainly does shrink as the game, as the season goes on. You need guys to get through, fight through the, uh, and get in on the forecheck, create some energy in order to, uh, wear teams down and, and, and be big and protect pucks. So I think he has a, he, he still has a lot of value. I, I actually thought his offensive production would be up a little bit more this year when they got him because I thought he, um, he has some, uh, you know he'll make some uh, really nice passes and, and over the last number of years score some pretty highlight reel goals as well. Um, but you can't just blame him because we haven't had production five on five for most of the team. So um, I, I still think that that's a, a work in progress. But I, I, I like him. I think he's doing his job well. Maybe it's the same with Riley Shanrupper. He had two points last night. Now thirteen points in thirty-two games. The Penguin. That's not great, but it's not outrageously bad. And he does some other things, too. Yeah, and, and I, I find that if I'm reading between the lines of just how he's used, I think that he's got the trust of the coaching staff, and they like him. Um, they put him in certain situations, and, um, you know, it's it, it, it hasn't been uh, overwhelming what he's done, but it's been very solid. And, uh, you know, I don't think that this is a guy that's uh, um, not holding up his end of the, the – you know, he, he's he's holding his own in the lineup, and he's he does those intangibles that you need to have. I think he maybe can compare him to be in a, um, you know what he is? He's kind of a guy that he seems to be getting those roles and those calls, if you remember. I think he's a little more offensively gifted, but more maybe like a Craig Adams in the lineup where... Oh, he's let's hope he's better penalty. than that, for God's no, sake. No, 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 and I don't mean it. I, I mean it from the standpoint of you're going to see him in a lot of situations because he has that trust. Um, and now he's starting to, you know, he's starting to rack up. We've had a few games now where he gets a couple assists. He gets it going in that aspect. So if he can keep continuing that, um, you're going to see him out there a lot more as the season goes on. Well, we shouldn't forget that, and I'm not saying I expect Riley Shane to be Nick Benino, but Nick Benino had nine points in his first 50 games as a Penguin. Riley Shane's actually off to a better start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If, I mean, we remember how Benino's start was. I think it was around Christmas time, and, we were talking about if we thought this was just not working out with Nick Benino, and then uh, we know that he he turned it on, and I think that that says a lot about players individually and and the way guys are. And I, we've learned, and with Nick Benino, he he elevates his game. When the games get bigger, so does he. Um, is that going to be the case with Riley Shane? I you know I, I I'd like to think it is. We'll have to see because that's where the that's where the uh, 
you know, the money's made, and that's where the guys are remembered. What do you what you do in those big moments in those big games? Um, so that's still to be determined. But he has um, a very similar start, I guess you can say, and maybe even a little bit better than than uh, the way Bones did. We're talking to Mike Grupp from the NHL Network here on the Mark Madden Show. Rupper brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Uh, Matt Murray came in in relief unexpectedly after Jari got injured, and Murray played well. Maybe that's what Murray needed after slumping just a bit recently to, to relax on the bench, coming unexpectedly, and do the job. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I, I, I always I wondered how that would be with with Matt Murray coming into this year because we know that Tristan Jari's a a good goaltender, um, but. He, it wasn't what it was last year as far as who you, you know, we haven't seen a one, two punch in between the pipes that they, the team had last year and a very long time, if ever. So, so you had something where I was wondering this year, well, Hey, is memory going to have the, uh, this extra pressure? Maybe he even puts on himself to be uh, at a certain standard, a, a certain level. And, and it's a bit of a, um, you know, insurance policy when you know that, you know, the whole team success is, is not riding on you. It, it, it may be freeing to, to be able to play a little bit more loosely. Um, I think Tristan Jerry's been really good this year when he's gotten in. Um, you know, Matt Murray, um, you know, he's not he's, he's not looking like he did in his first... He's not played great, but I wouldn't yeah. say he's played poorly either. Would no, you, Rupper? No, I think that's why I'm kind of teetering on that because I don't want to say I, I, he's been okay. But I, I just think that he, we've seen him be so good that okay doesn't seem good. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> we've seen him be great. So he's been all right, and I think he will be fine. But it, it, it also it's got to feel good to have a, you know, a young fellow like Tristan Jari going in there and able to, to taste some success too and maybe just take some of that pressure off of Matt Murray. So um, I, I've been happy with Big 35, and I think he's been pretty solid all year. Connor Sherry scored a nice goal, but it reminded me that players like him and Gensel are a lot better in open ice than they are in traffic and that as their reputations grow, open ice is a lot harder to find for them, isn't it? It is. It is. But you leave it up to, man, I don't know what was going on in that play. I think it was McDonald and I uh, can't remember what other defenseman from Philly, what they were doing. I mean, to get basically get sprung on a, a, a breakaway from uh, from your blue line. Um, but, uh, hey, when those guys have that open ice, that's what makes them very dangerous. But I also will say that is that, – that's very true, but what also makes those guys, they're, they're actually been, you know, maybe Jane Gunn's a little bit more, but they're fearless the way they go to the net and they go out there. And if we remember them, when they both have had success, they almost look out of control at times, with, and they're not overly big at all. They just sit there and you'll see them just go to the net hard, and that's things I'd like to see them get back to a little bit more. I remember when Jake Gensel came in, I don't remember which hit it was. I remember he got hit in the head last year. Um he got popped pretty good, but I was thinking to myself, man, this guy puts himself in some vulnerable spots, but he's got the guts to do it. And he, I think he got rewarded a lot for playing like that, and Connor Sherry would do the same thing. So the open ice, that's where they excel, but there's still another level, I think, to their their five-on-five game where they're smaller guys, but they, they play they play uh, in between the checks, and they get in there, and, and uh, I'd like to see them get to it a little bit more. I thought Geno played good. I thought Phil played good. How would you rate Sid's game? Got the one help or two shots on goal. We're still waiting on that explosion of points from number 87. I know. It feels like I'm, I sit there sometimes and I'm watching and I'm thinking, he's going to have a game where he's going to have 
he's going to have a five point game coming up here soon. <laughs> and, and you sit there and you're watching, you know, uh, maybe it's just, just simply wasn't needed yesterday, but, uh, I, I have a feeling it's coming and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I cling to what we've seen in the past and, and we've seen that calendar year, this time of years where Sid kicks it to a new level. Um, I, I think it's coming. We don't know exactly when, but I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I think we're going to have a, a big night coming up here soon. He was all right, um, but he, he didn't really have to be great in that game. I think everybody was contributing, and I think that's the, the beauty of when you, you see a team like that, the Penguins or any team in the NHL, when you get a little bit of contributions from different lines, nobody has to be great. You just got to be good. And everyone was good in that game, and they uh, they beat a team that was very inconsistent, but they looked pretty darn good doing it. How bad are the Flyers? I look at their defense and goaltending. That's a team that they say is rebuilding, but in the back end, boy, they're so far away. I wonder how long the rebuilding is going to take, Rupper. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing with them. They, they scare me, though, because I... I think they could beat a lot of teams right now in a seven-game series. Like I, I they, they're they're scary, but you never know what you're going to get. So I, I don't think they're by any shape, means, or anything even should be a playoff team. I mean, when you you're gonna you're gonna lose ten in a row, then you're gonna win, you know, six in a row, and then you're gonna lose five of your last seven. Or I mean, what 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 is it that you're seeing here? And I I, I think it's a really tough situation with this team and. Um, it, it almost is better to just be brutal right now for this team. Don't, don't. Yeah, it'd be to, better to tank. They should follow the Penguins would. model and, because, and, and, Rupper, when you yeah, finish it, middle, you draft middle, and you stay middle. Yeah, but because here's the thing. They, they are going to have, in the next couple of years, one of the deepest defenses in the NHL. They, they have, they're set up very nicely. But by the time, I mean, if you're talking about when they're going to be actually all in Philly and all thriving in Philly, you might be talking another two, three seasons. I mean, uh, Claude Giroux has had a great, I think he's finally healthy. He looks good. Uh, Voracek looks good. But the, where are those guys going to be in two or three years? So by the time this team starts to get some traction, now you're going to still be, you know, flirting with it with those guys probably on their backside or, or where's a Wayne Simmons going to be. And now it's like, all right, well, in those past two and three years, You've been finishing out of the playoffs by, you know, four points. So you haven't really picked high in the last couple. You know what I mean? So my thinking is, like, as bad as it would stink and bad as the, for the fans it would be is, I think you try to move the guys. Move them now and, and just just start building that those cupboards more. I mean, you got a great start on the back end. Now start putting things in place because I just have a feeling they're going to they're gonna come out and then it's going to be like, well, we've got a couple guys on bad contracts and now we can't really get over the hump. Well, whatever the worst-case scenario is, I hope it plays out in Philadelphia. Um, (laughs) In the Metro, which is so tight, which teams are for real and which are likely to fade, Rupper? Who's a lock to make the playoffs out of the Metro and who isn't? A lock to make it? Um, I'd say the locks to make it in the Metro are uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Washington. I would say the Rangers. Okay. Uh, this is where it gets sticky for me. Um, what about Columbus? Because I yeah, got a feeling you're thinking Columbus might fade out, and I would agree with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking bubble for Columbus, and here's my thing. Uh, part of me wants to say yes for Columbus, 
and no for New Jersey. But everything I'm seeing is telling me the different, the, the, the other side of it. So, like, part of me wants, like, common sense to be like, well, Columbus, Columbus, Columbus is going to figure this out. They, they will make the playoffs. They have to get in. And part of me is thinking, I don't know about New Jersey, but everything I keep say, seeing from a day-to-day basis is telling me, I actually think New Jersey's a pretty darn good team, and I'm really questioning Columbus. So, uh, I, I, I'm going to say Columbus gets in, but uh, I, they're – that's by just that's by for what they've done in the past. Well, you and, see, and, see, I I think Columbus is tired of torts, and I think that's inevitable. But I still think they sneak in. I think five teams will get in from the Metro, both wild cards. I want to go with Capitals, Blue Jackets, Penguins. You know, I hate to say it. I think you're right about the Rangers. There's so much about them I don't like, but but Hank's playing good, and they have so much depth up front. And I'm gonna say. The Devils get into. I think the Islanders fade. The Hurricanes fade. The Flyers obviously yeah. don't make it. Uh, it wouldn't shock me though if if the Devils made it or didn't. They've lost three in a row now. I know what you yeah. mean though. Whenever I see them play, I don't sense they're going to really take a dive. No, no. When I see them, when I see them playing, if this makes any sense at all, they they when they win, they. They deserve that win. Like they win outright. They don't win by default. When they, they win, win. they, they might only win two to one or three to one, but they're in control of the game. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I would agree with that. I could see the Islanders kind of, um, kind of fizzling a little bit, but the Blue Jackets for me are the big question. Rupper is always great stuff. We'll do it next week. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. That's Mike Rupp. Always great stuff for Rupper. He's brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Uh, make every day a Porsche day with the new Macan. Up next, we talk to Bob McLaughlin. Oh, wait, here's some news just breaking. The 2008 NHL Winter Classic was the lowest rated ever on NBC. Well, you know why? Rangers and Sabres. There's no star power. If you're going to do that Winter Classic, it should always have a Crosby. It should always have a McDavid. It should always have an Austin Matthews. Are you looking to give everybody an equal opportunity? Or do you want people to turn on the friggin' TV? 1059X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, I uh, love the show, man. Hey, Mark, how you doing, Call it All hail double M. The X at 1059. Joining me now is Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, what of the distractions? The Steelers were under constant fire all year from distractions. What one distraction do you think caused the most damage to the Steelers? Because it looks like most of them had no impact whatsoever. Yeah, unbelievably. And I'm going to go with the callers uh, last hour and say uh, the Villanueva anthem debacle because that affected everybody in the locker room, Mark. Some people had their own personal feelings, strong feelings about what they should or shouldn't do. Um, You know, they had to have a team meeting that, like you talked about, went way into the early hours because people weren't on the same page. It affected the logo. It affected the brand. It affected the owners, the coaches. And, uh, you know, the reaction to it wasn't good at all. It, it was quite the topic around here for a couple of weeks and still is in some circles. So that would easily be number one. And you do agree that the Steelers were badly discombobulated after Villanueva came out the tunnel and went against the grain of what the team agreed on. It looked like they were maybe mad, confused. I don't know, but... That was the worst they played this year. Against Jacksonville, Ben played real bad. Yeah. Against New England, you just lost to New England. 
Against Chicago, the whole team was off. Almost unbelievably bad, Mark. I mean, it was just a circus out there. Um, Absolutely affected them. And, hey, I don't think that they had any idea it was going to be as big as it was, but obviously it was big right from the beginning, uh, some of the turmoil with the team. And, you know, got to give them credit, though. They popped out of it 13-3. and three. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you next. When when I look at 13-3 and three in the number two seed, that's exactly what I expected. Uh, maybe one win better than I expected. Yeah, unbelievably. Now, what did uh, I predict, Bob? Was it eleven and five or twelve and four? I think it was twelve and four, right? You said eleven and five. I said twelve and four because I didn't think that they would have ten. I thought it'd be better than that. Um, but you did say one win up or down on your um, on your. Uh, oh yeah, they they definitely outdid what 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 I expected. Uh, I don't think many people thought thirteen and three. Even the average Joe fan, you know, Yinzer. I don't think they saw thirteen and three. I, I will say I thought thirteen and three would be good enough for the number one seed. Uh, I w- if you would have said that back then, I would have agreed with you absolutely. Boy, what what a conference! And how close are the Steelers and Patriots when fourteen and two would have been required to get the number one seed outright? Yeah, and it's funny how that you know you talked about it with the caller how that game changed everything. You know they win that Chicago game or that doesn't happen. They are at the number one seed. Uh, I don't think anybody thought Jacksonville was going to be as good as they were or that the Steelers were going to have as bad of a game as they did then. That's another game, but again, sometimes that's the Steelers' identity. Not so much this season. They seem to have gotten over that. Now, what was your favorite distraction, Bob? Uh, what what uh, did the Steelers do vis-a-vis shooting themselves in the foot that entertained you the most? You know what? The bike. Because the bike kind of... Well, I don't of, know that that was a distraction per se. It was funny, though. It was funny, and you know what, Mark? It got it introduced a lot of people to Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, it showed him, you know, that here's a young guy. He's got some talent. He's going to be a favorite here. You know, he made a joke out of it. It, it. You know, it kind of everybody took to that story and then took to the player. He backed it up on the field, plus... Mark, it kind of took away all of the bad feelings from the Chicago game and that whole debacle that just didn't affect the Steelers. It affected the whole league. Now everybody kind of had to step back, and they had something to laugh about. Uh, what's your take on the Penguins' win last night? I think it's just two points with uh, no significance beyond that, but it was a much-needed two points. Absolutely, much-needed. Um, I was running around last night picking up kids in the car, there's nothing like listening to Phil Bork celebrate four goals in one, you know, or three quick goals in one period. Three goals against, in under uh, two and a half minutes. <laughs> two and a half minutes against the Flyers. Uh, he was having about as much fun as everybody watching that game. I'm not going to say that they can absolutely build on on that, that everything is solved now, Mark. Uh, you went over this with a bunch of callers. You have to get Sid going again. Um, you know, even Rupper said, look, some guys are playing good uh, but some of the top dogs aren't playing great right now, and that's what needs to happen for them to turn it around. But I don't see any problem with them getting a four, five, six-game win streak and racking up the points quickly. They've done it in the past. Um, maybe that's exactly what happens, and the Penguins are right back to form You know, in another five or six weeks. Uh, one final thing, Bob. Uh, we haven't talked about it much, but Kevin Stallings, <laughs> the Pitt men's basketball coach, they were getting kiboshed at Louisville last night, and some Louisville fans were heckling Stallings, and he said, at least we don't pay our players 100 k or, or, you know, that was the Patino scandal. Among, yeah. I mean, we don't get them prostitutes either. I guess he could have <laughs> yelled as well. But don't you think that's poor form to yell that when you're getting slaughtered and when your team stinks? A lot of people gave Stallings credit for saying that. I think he just looked like an ass. 
I was be, I was kind of torn with myself this morning. Some people that I'm, you know, I know they're Pit fans. They know I'm a Pit fan. I got that sent to me this morning. The audio of it. So you can't say that. Ah, oh, this isn't what he meant. There's, there's audio. He absolutely said exactly what's being quoted. And for a second, I thought, you know what? If I was a fan, that's exactly what I would be screaming. And then I thought, if I was a coach, that's exactly what I wouldn't be screaming, especially when you're down 26. You know, you, you lose 77-51. That's a drubbing. Uh, and you've got, <laughs> you don't have much light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you oh, just no. sit back and take that one. There was not much light at the end of that particular <laughs> tunnel, Bob. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to 84 Lumber. In 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about Terrell Owens and how ridiculous it is that he's not yet in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.